I'm speaking to Tom Babin. Tom is the creator of a YouTube channel, Shifter, and the author of Frostbite, The Joy, Pain, and Numbness of Winter Cycling, an exploration of getting around on two wheels throughout the year. His work is committed to furthering the conversation about the ways bicycles can make our lives better for smart and thoughtful people who care about urban transportation and the future of city life. So I'd like to start by talking about your background. Where did you grow up? So I've lived in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, my whole life. I was born and raised here. For those who don't know, it's a city in Western Canada. We're on the prairies, just in the foothills of the Rockies. And it's sort of a post-war city. So it's got lots of suburbs. It's got a real suburban growth pattern. And the oil industry is based here. So we're often called the Houston of Canada. So it's a Canadian city, but some people also think that we're the most American of Canadian cities too. So we're a little bit different that way than some of the other cities people may have visited in Canada. What tends to make it feel more like an American city, do you think? I think because of the connections to the oil industry, there's a real entrepreneurial spirit here. One of the myths we say about ourselves here is sort of the independence, the self-reliance, the entrepreneurialism. I don't mean it's a myth, I should say. Sort of the mythology that we tell ourselves is around independence and self-reliance and entrepreneurship. And politics were more conservative politically than the other provinces. So I think all those things lead to that reputation of us being a bit more American than some other cities. What was your experience of growing up in Calgary like? Well, I grew up in the suburbs in the 70s and 80s, so it was a pretty sheltered upbringing, I think. I grew up in a working class neighborhood that now has changed a lot. It's more of a neighborhood for new Canadians. But at the time, it was lots of single family homes. I walked to school from first grade all the way up to graduation, which was nice and pretty rare at that time, I think. So lots of friends in the neighborhood. So it felt like a pretty nice suburban upbringing for the time, I think. And how would you say that helped to shape you going forward? That's a good question. I don't know if I've thought about this before. It shaped me in every way, I think. It sort of gave me a view of what city life can be. I didn't see much of the city beyond my suburban area. So it took me a long time to realize that not everyone lived in a single family suburb. It was a pretty multicultural upbringing. The neighborhood, like I said, was working class and sort of was transitioning. And so I feel really grateful to have such a multicultural upbringing. And that was at the time when Canada was just sort of embracing the idea of multiculturalism. It became official policy around that time too. And so it's always been a topic of conversation in Canada, but I feel really grateful that I had friends from all over the world and it sort of gave me a broader upbringing, I think, than I would have got otherwise. Did you ever think about leaving the Calgary area? I thought about it lots of times over the years. What kept me, I think, was family and connections and friends. And I also have a great neighborhood now. I don't live in the same neighborhood I grew up in. Now I live in more of an older neighborhood that's a bit closer to downtown. And it's really walkable and bike-friendly and lots of amenities in the neighborhood. So I feel really lucky to have a great neighborhood. And I've got lots of friends in the neighborhood. And so it's been really hard to leave. It had crossed my mind lots over the years. But I've always been also happy with the direction it's been going. It was a bit of a monoculture, I think, in some ways. Politically, there wasn't much debate. Alberta, the province I live in, had the same conservative government for the first 38 years, I think it was, of my life with no change. And so there wasn't a lot of political diversity there. But that's changed since. And the city has gotten much more urban-minded, especially in the last 10 or 15 years. So that change has been really exciting for me. It just gives more opportunity for more different kinds of people to live here. And we continue to make positive changes, I think. So I'm always feeling like we're getting better and like the next step is going to be better and better. So I think that's part of what's kept me here as well. How did you first get into cycling? 
Well, I was never like a athletic or sports or racer as a cyclist. I first started bike commuting. I was working in journalism and I just got tired of getting stuck in my minivan on the way to work every day. I remember the day when I borrowed my wife's mountain bike. It was hanging in the rafters of the garage and I pulled it down and like immediately loved it. It was faster than driving and I liked the exercise. And so I immediately started doing it. I didn't do it full time for a long time. We'd do it a couple of times a week just when I could make it work. I had young kids and sometimes I had to rush off to drive them places. And this is a very car centric city. And so it's hard to get everywhere you need to go on a bike. But I really immediately liked cycling and then like everyone else at the time, I would stop in wintertime, but I had the same feelings in the winter. I hated getting stuck in traffic in my minivan. And so I just tried stretching the cycling season out a little bit more by riding a little bit later into the fall and starting a little bit early in the spring. And then eventually I ended up riding year round. And so now for 10 or 15 years now, I've been riding full time year round, which is just great. So that's how I got into cycling. And that's the experience that led me to start thinking about cities and transportation decisions that are made by cities and the way they develop and that kind of thing. Out of curiosity, what were the reactions you got from people when you first started really commuting on a regular basis with your bike? Well, there wasn't a lot of people at that time doing it. And so it almost became a bit of an identity. I was like the guy in the office who bike commuted. And I felt like there were a few people here and there, and they were always very proud of it. Like you could almost pick out the bike commuters. They were maybe slightly obnoxious about it sometimes, <laughs> but bragging about their bike commute. And so I do think for a lot of people, that's part of the identity is like riding a bike. And then when you ride in winter, even here in Canada, at that time, it was really rare. And so I would get reactions all the time like, oh, you must be crazy. How can you ride in that temperature? Don't you slip and fall? You must be some kind of masochist. So I got a lot of that. And there's still a bit of that around. But as more people have started bike commuting in Calgary and more people are riding bikes in winter as well. That is faded a bit. It's not as special as I used to be because there's lots more people doing it, but I do feel like it's still not the norm and still does for a lot of people become part of their identity. What do you think some of the biggest challenges for someone who's just getting started in a city like Calgary as a cyclist are? Well, the city doesn't make it easy in a lot of cases. We don't have a lot of bike lanes. We don't have a lot of safe places for people to ride. Absolutely, we're better than we, when I first started. There's definitely much more safe infrastructure today. But I think that's the biggest barrier to people riding now is that it's really hard to make a complete route that's safe and away from motor vehicles. And so if you're new and you're not a confident cyclist and you don't have a complete route, you could have a bike lane for half of your route and then it just disappears on you and you have to like fight with traffic for two blocks and you pick up another route. That's really common. We have all these gaps in our network here. And I think that's really discouraging for a lot of people. So the hardest part, I think, for people is sort of having the confidence to overcome their fear of traffic and riding with traffic because the city isn't built in a way that makes that easy for them. So I think that fear is probably the biggest thing to overcome for newbies. Even as an experienced cyclist, do you find yourself still struggling with some of those challenges? Yeah, actually, as I get older, I struggle with them more now than when I was younger. In the early days, I was one of those young, confident cyclists who almost took it as a challenge to like ride really quickly on roads with cars. And I would sort of feel proud if I was riding faster than the car beside me and that kind of stuff. But I don't ride like that way at all anymore. I ride a slow bike now. 
I just want to get there in one piece. And so my routes are different. I go out of my way to find safe bike lanes. I try to minimize my time with vehicles. And so I've really changed my riding style. And those moments when I do have to interact with cars are definitely the most difficult times. Those are the most stressful rides. Even the ride I had this morning, the route I've mapped out in winter only has about three or four blocks in which I have to share the road with cars. And that's always the worst part of my ride. And so I haven't quite found the perfect way to commute yet. And I wish the city would help by closing some of those gaps, but it's definitely a big challenge some days. Have you gotten involved at all in advocating for bicycle infrastructure in Calgary? Yeah, in indirect ways, I think. I don't even think of myself much as an advocate. I feel like I'm sharing my cycling story through the writing and the videos that I make. And so I've sort of been peripherally involved in some of the advocacy work. I don't feel like I'm very good at that. Other people are very good at building advocacy campaigns. I feel like the way I can help is to educate people, introduce new people to the sport. I get lots of messages from my YouTube channel from people who say, oh, I started riding because I watched your videos and thanks for the videos making it seem easier to ride or removing some of the stigma or challenge from it. And so I put my focus in those areas. So if that's advocacy, then yeah, sure, I'm an advocate, but I don't get that directly involved in sort of the campaigns, which I'm really grateful there are people here who do a really good job directly advocating and following city policy very closely. I try to do what I can do best and let other people take care of that. And I'm, I'm lucky to live in a city where we've got lots of great advocates. I know you've ridden in a lot of different cities. What are some of your favorite cities for cycling? Well, that's an easy one in North America for me. It's Montreal. I love Montreal as a city. It's just got a great vibe. I sort of half-jokingly say Montreal radicalized me towards bike lanes because the first time I visited there years ago, I had already been riding for several years in Calgary. And I guess I had come to expect that just fighting for your place on a road was the way to do it. And then visiting Montreal with all of the great separated safe bike infrastructure there was kind of like a eureka moment for me where I thought like, wow, this doesn't have to be so hard. Cities can make choices to make this a bit easier. And so I love Montreal for that. And I can't wait to get back because it's been a few years. I don't think I've been back since the pandemic. I know they've made a lot of big changes there. So that's really great. I also love the city of Aulu in Northern Finland. This is a city I visited in, in researching my book about winter cycling. The people there say they're the most bike-friendly city in the world, and I think I believe them. It's a really wintry city. It's almost in the Arctic Circle, so it's got cold and snow. But my visit there made me realize that cities can do a lot to make it easier to ride your bike year-round. And to see their pathways and the way they're groomed with the wintertime and how many people, how many different kinds of people were riding in winter was really amazing to me. It opened my eyes to the fact that you don't have to be an athlete to ride in winter. I remember seeing kids and moms with cargo bikes and grandmas riding with a grocery bag in the snow when it was below freezing, which I didn't see a lot of back here in Calgary. And so that's definitely a city that made the most impression on me, I think, as an urban-minded cyclist. How do you respond to people who feel like those places in Europe are not really good examples of how we can do things in North America? Yeah, honestly, I don't talk about them that much for the same reason. I think when you mention Copenhagen or Amsterdam in conversations about bike friendliness in North America, people just shut down. To a lot of people, it's like talking about Mars. They feel like they just cannot relate to it. So I don't do a lot. I think those cities are really inspiring to a lot of people in North America, and they definitely have things to listen to uh, teach us. But a city like Aulu is, for me, often a better example because it doesn't have a medieval, dense urban core. A lot of the development has come post-war. It's got single-family suburbs. It looks like a North American city in a lot of ways, but they've just developed differently. They made choices in the 70s to put pedestrian and bike infrastructure in before 
before the automobile infrastructure went in. And so that feels a bit more relatable to me. But other than that, I find it more useful to pull examples from North American cities like Montreal or New York or Minneapolis. Those do seem to be a bit more relatable to North Americans, especially if they've never visited some of those European cities. So obviously, when you get around the city by bike, it's a different experience than getting around by other modes of transportation. How would you say that that influences your mental map of cities and also the way that you perceive those cities? Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about riding a bike is the way that it enables you to perceive your city. It's just a different scale. I notice more things on a bike than I would if I was in a car. You could smell things when you're riding by a bakery that you wouldn't be able to notice in a car. It influences the way you perceive your neighborhood. I think it influences the way you want your city to develop. I think it makes you a bit more connected to the people on the streets. I feel like I'm more connected to pedestrians when I'm on a bike than when I'm in a car. And I think about those things a lot differently. I'm still amazed when I drive a car and I drive a car a lot still because I live in a city that's still mostly car centric, how quickly I get impatient in a car and how getting to my destination just feels like the only goal. Whereas on a bike, I'm always thinking about like, oh, what can I do to make my neighborhood better and that kind of thing. And your mental map thing that you mentioned is a great point because I 100% think people who ride or walk a lot have a different mental map than people who drive a car, especially when it comes down to like perceiving distance and time. I can't remember how many times I've talked to a coworker about going for lunch and I'd say, oh, let's walk over. And they would say, oh no, that's way too far. And then I convince them to walk and we get there and they're like, oh, that wasn't that far at all. I just think like people who drive all the time just have a different perception of distance and time. And they always think walking or riding a bike is going to take forever and it's always faster than they anticipate. So I think that's definitely a difference when you ride your bike a lot. As someone who cycles when you are driving, do you find yourself being more sympathetic towards cyclists? Yeah, absolutely. I think people who ride bikes are the best drivers. <laughs> They're just more aware. You're more patient as a driver. And in this city, it's very rare to see somebody who doesn't drive and ride a bike. So most people who ride bikes, even commuters are also driving a car a lot. So I think it's an important piece for people to do both. Sometimes I think to get a driver's license, you should be forced to ride your bike around a little bit just so you can understand things a bit better. Even things simple like as a driver on a road, like a residential road with no bike infrastructure, when I come upon a cyclist, when you're riding a bike, and there's a car behind you that refuses to pass or just slows right down, it sort of makes you nervous. And the driver is not sure what to do. And there's a lot of confusion that way. I think now because I ride a bike, I know the proper thing to do is like slow down. And then when it's safe to pass, then quickly get past the cyclist as you can. I find like people who like get unsure about that and make dangerous situations are those who don't ride a bike. So I absolutely think that people who ride bikes are definitely the best drivers. And I think too, that so much of that points to the need for infrastructure because of the fact that I think when there's not that clear place for cyclists, it just creates that confusion so readily. Yeah, absolutely. I think when there is confusion like that, it often comes down to infrastructure. And when something goes wrong, like when there's collisions or when there's areas where speeding tickets are given out at huge levels, that often to me comes down to design. We often like to blame drivers or bad drivers or blame cyclists, but a lot of it definitely comes down to the infrastructure. What is your advice that you give to new cyclists who are concerned about that safety element? For a practical piece of advice, I say, take your time in mapping out your route, experiment with your route, find one that you're comfortable with, be patient with it because it can take a lot of time to find the perfect route. And I often say, slow down. You don't have to race on your bike all the time. I think sometimes our desires to ride quickly on a bike does color our perceptions of our route sometimes too. So on a practical level, I often encourage people just to like slow down, to take it easy, be patient, take the long-term look at it and really figure out your route. And on a more philosophical level, I sometimes 
we'll half jokingly say, well, welcome to the team. Let's see what we can do to make our city better. Start advocating or start sharing your story. I think the more people who share their stories make it easier for other people to relate or to be inspired. So that may be the most important thing we can do is just normalize cycling. So it's not like a weird thing for weird people that everyone's doing and it's a viable transportation choice for all of us. What would you say are some of the big steps that are happening here in North America that are helping to move us along in terms of being more cycle friendly? I think the most important thing that's happening right now is that the conversation has finally turned, I think, in most cities. It feels like in the 2000s, a lot of the conversation was about whether cycling was a good idea or not. I think most cities have gotten over that now. I think a lot of the cities have recognized that, yeah, cycling makes a lot of sense. It's affordable infrastructure. It's good for populations. It's good for traffic congestion. It's good for health. It's good for all these things. And so we can stop having these debates about whether it's a good thing or not, and instead put our energy into figuring out the best ways of making it easier for more people to get on bikes. So I think that sort of the change in the tone of conversation is the most important thing. That doesn't happen everywhere, of course. I know there's still cities that are still trapped in those exhausting conversations about whether we should have bikes or not. But it does feel like the national conversation, or at least like the sort of the high-level conversation has switched. And now it's just up to individual cities to make their progress in the way that they do. So when you see cities like Montreal and New York and Boulder, Colorado making big strides, I think that's nice to see everywhere. And now hopefully we can roll it out to more cities. Do you think the pandemic has helped in that effort? I don't know. I think in the middle of the pandemic, if you asked me that, I would have said yes, because there are so many more people on bikes and so many cities were rolling out these temporary, what turned out to be temporary new bike lanes to accommodate distance between people. It's been sort of discouraging since then for me, at least to see how few of those lanes became permanent. I know some cities did a great job, but mine, for example, most of those temporary lanes are gone now, which is disappointing. And so as far as infrastructure goes, it may have helped. And I do think more people own bikes now, so that's great. I think one positive sign is the boom in e-bikes. And I think maybe the pandemic helped that as well. I really think getting more people on e-bikes is a great option because it really extends the distance for some people and makes it more viable for a lot of other people who maybe couldn't ride a regular bike. So if the pandemic sort of did anything, I think maybe it got more people on bikes and e-bikes. I don't mean to sound cynical, but I don't know if it translated into like the great boom that we thought it was going to. In closing, what do you think are some of the most encouraging trends that are happening that you think will make cycling become more popular going forward? I'm seeing the recognition of cycling as a health benefit and as a mental health benefit. I like this. I think this is really exciting because I think that there's almost an emotional element to that. There's lots of good practical reasons to make your city more bike friendly. It's about traffic congestion and commuting times, and that's all great. But I think what really connects with people is if it makes their life better. And I think there's so many more people riding bikes now who have recognized that when you get a little bit of a bike ride every day, you're healthier and you're happier. That's the message I think that people share with each other, with their non-cycling friends. And that's what really motivates people to ride, I think. So I'm seeing a little bit more research on the connection between active transportation and health. And I'm really excited about that. For a long time, the climate change argument seemed to hold no water for lots of people. I think saying that more people should ride for climate change was just a non-starter for years and years and years. But now I see people who actually, when you ask them why they ride the bike, they actually say it's for climate change reasons. Whereas in the past, they would only say things like, oh, it's faster or it's more affordable. 
So that's encouraging, I think. I mean, I'm just looking for reasons to get more people on bikes because there's so many good reasons for it. So the fact that people are talking about more reasons like health and climate change, I think is pretty positive. And there does seem to be momentum in the right way these days. It took a long time. Change was slow, but I feel very optimistic that we've got a bit of momentum. And in the cities where bike lanes have been implemented and livable infrastructure has been put in and pedestrianism has improved, I think it's pretty obvious to people who even drive their cars all the time that that makes city better. So I think that there's momentum there. And I think that's a positive change for the future. Thank you for taking time out to talk. It's really been a pleasure speaking with you. Oh, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.